Say that the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. That's right, people. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. You betcha. I hope people heard the snap because I bet they felt the snap. Let me try that one more time. You betcha. Well, you didn't see, but I'm sure you felt in your spirit as a double finger guns. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. <laughs> Also joining us all the way from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Fellas, I have an emergency. I have to start it right right away. Wait, okay. wait, wait, wait. You we, seemed unsure. I, yeah, I mean, we got Look, some I, wisdom we I, have to get to. I know, I know, I know we have wisdom to get to, and the reason I'm unsure is because I know technically I was being introduced, but we have to go, st- we have a state of emergency. We have a problem. We wow. go live now to a Lee Younger emergency. Here's the deal. We all know that when uh, when Pope Francis was being voted on, that we were all pulling for Glenn Fitzgerald to become the next pope. Absolutely, right. and we didn't really look up what you have to do to be pope because Glenn's not a cardinal or Catholic, doesn't live in Italy. But you know, we, it was a grassroots campaign. Well, I, I was kind of a dark horse candidate. Well, not only Absolutely. that, but it's 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 actually kind of like the Speaker of the House. Like you don't actually have to be like it's not in the Constitution anywhere that the Speaker of the House has to be a member of Congress. It okay. just has to have a certain percentage of Congress, you know, of of Congress people voting for this person. You could just be the ran- if they all voted for you, you could be the random guy that's the Speaker of the House. So- I knew getting Lee that subscription to the Economist was going to affect this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same with the Pope. I mean, they just you know you don't actually have. We could have technically you could have become the Pope, and you would have been Pope sure. from the gut. Right, yeah. Pope Awesome the first. Well, <laughs> well, technical Pope is the best kind of Pope. It is. Here's what I'm saying: is I'm watching the Twitter feeds. You know, when when Pope Francis landed in the United States, and the and all of a sudden I saw that uh, that he would be traveling around in a 747 that was codenamed Shepherd One. Whoa, Shepherd One, Shepherd one. dude! I mean, you got Air Force One has the President of the United States on it. POTUS is in Air Force One. We all know this, but the idea right. that Glenn would have had his own seven forty seven, that he would have commandeered a seven forty seven, and that they would yes. have had, and they would have to call that mug Shepherd One. That's well, right. I, I don't think they commandeer it. I imagine the Vatican has the cash for the uh, for the rental. Well. Now, see, here's what a lot of people are saying, because they like Pope Francis. Right. Yeah. He's a popular dude. Glenn, right? before, before we go down to the path, I want to finish on the airplane thing. Yes. Because I feel the need to point out that apparently the uh, the Pope does not own a plane, but Creflo Dollar does. Let's <laughs> oh, yeah. all think yeah. about that for a moment. Several megachurch pastors own planes. Apparently not the Pope. No. Yeah. So that's good. Well, the people, that- they've been talking. They've been talking, and they've been saying, you know, this brother's awesome, right? Pretty talking. solid poping, really. Real, uh, you know what? You, he's been he's poping it about as good as you can. Would Nobody's you, perfect, but he's poping pretty good. Would you like a pitchfork esque numeric review of his papacy so far? <laughs> Absolutely, eight point two. Wow. Yeah. Did you prefer his his early cardinal work more? <laughs> 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 now, 
Here's the thing, though. A lot of people are saying, even so, yeah. despite the fact. Solid know, Popin. Solid Popin. They still miss what, what would a Pope awesome papacy papacy have been like sure you know the, it's it's in their mind because they had their hopes up totally you know what i mean they were stoked would they we've were, gone back to the days when the pope was a feared military leader possibly <laughs> possibly they they were getting it in their mind and i think a lot of people were super inspired by the the my campaign song mm-hmm. which was popey like a hurricane <laughs> right but based on the scorpions Song, Rocky because like because the guy the pope for this one was German yeah that's right and Glenn thought that that would be the way to go that's uh, uh and I I his name was Ratzinger and uh, uh, Joseph Ratzinger I like yeah. calling Joey Rats you know, that's <laughs> how I called him lock up the the New York diocese with that exactly right so here's what happens uh people are wondering and they're 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 nostalgic they're missing it okay here's what the question is. When Pope Francis comes up for re-election, yeah, would I consider being a running mate? Okay, who, okay. Who is asking you these questions, and how versed are they in the way the College of Cardinals works? Because this is the kind of thing me and Francis could team up. Mm. You follow? Wow. Because what happens is he's the nice one, right? You know what I mean? I come behind. Good Pope, right. bad Pope, right? Good Pope, bad Pope. <laughs> yeah. You follow what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. This movie's right. Then. So you're offering, right. like, he offers them a deal, and then he yes. walks out, and then you come back into the interrogation room. This is what I'm saying is, you know. Well, let me let me ask you this. Yeah. If we got a call mm-hmm. from our, I, I'm going to call him our buddy, because I think we'd be friends. Completely. Um, uh, our buddy, Pope Francis. Yes. Gave you a job offer yeah. of official papal enforcer. Right. <laughs> Is there a force that could keep you from accepting that job offer? I think I would have, for the good of the people. You'd have to. <laughs> I would have to do that. You know. Now, this brings up, uh, uh, this doesn't bring up, but I want to dog leg real quick to a very uh, important issue we've talked about in the wider church before. I don't know if we mentioned on the podcast. You know, especially at your larger churches, there's a lot of positions. The Catholic right, church right. is certainly true. You know, you got, but even at like a Protestant or a mega church, you, you got your senior pastor, your executive yep. pastor, your teaching pastor, your small group pastor, pastor your children's pastor, life. your worship pastor, pastor, family life, pastor of arts. Uh-huh. We have long advocated for the creation of a position mandatory at all churches called pastor of corrections. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Right, because um, every church guy's got somebody acting a little out of pocket. Yeah. Now this was inspired by a gentleman at Lee's church who we shan't name, but um, he's been in uh, he's been in the military. Yes. Like the part where you're not allowed to have any tattoos to identify you. Yeah. And uh, there was a guy who was acting a little out of pocket, right. and the, pa- the pastors had not really had much luck talking any sense to him, and the elder board was getting involved. These guys know the church, and he kind of. Uh, Basically, sat this gentleman down and just, and told him, "Your crap's over now." It ends yep. today. That just no, I, I, you can't imagine the things I've seen and done. And let me tell you, it's over now. Yeah. And thus, we were inspired that every church body should have such a person, Pastor. Correct. How much smoother would they run? And I think Bishop of Corrections, okay. Glenn Fitzgerald. Yeah. I, see, I come in smoking a cigarette, right? You know, <laughs> and I <laughs> cup of coffee, and I flick it. And then I say, you know... Um, feels like yeah. a wasted opportunity to put it out on the guy's arm. Well, well it also he, feels just, like uh, Glenn hasn't watched any cop movies that were made after 1982. Because <laughs> a lot of smoking indoors. That's what I'm saying. And I come in there and I, I say, you know, here's how it's going to go down. Yeah. You know what I mean, because he's nice. Well, I think I feel... And not to cut you off, but I feel like the the just to have 
the you know on your business card underneath Glenn Fitzgerald to have you know Christendom's hammer underneath that. Yeah, right. yeah. Oh, the, well, the greatest job title of all time. We can steal this from Genghis Khan. He's gone. Glenn, Glenn Fitzgerald, Glenn Fitzgerald, the Flail of God. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. If this, somebody, this if a troublemaker, right. if they asked for your badge number, what would you feel like your response would be in that moment? Well, see, here's first of all, here's the here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Because you're not lining out your average dude, right? You we, you know you're right because you, you got your cardinals, you're your the fixer, bishops. You know, mm. You're what what this job involves, yeah, is a, is is a lot of yelling at men in dresses, right? Okay, <laughs> so you have to be that kind of dude. I believe their robes first of all. That's okay. Be polite, okay. But you're 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 straightening out heretics at this point. That's what I'm saying. It, because here's what happens is. Francis, he's pushing the envelope, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean. He's mm-hmm. saying we can't, we can't have any nonsense and foolishness, and we gotta give to the poor. We gotta be loving. We gotta be sweet. really radical ideas, which for some reason yeah. is revolutionary stuff coming from a Christian leader. And, uh, you know, and then people are like, hey, I don't know. And then I come behind that. I say, there's a lot of wood in this church, and it'd be a shame if it burned to the ground. You know what I mean, like that. <laughs> Because you you put it out there and let them know things could happen. Absolutely. You know I mean, and then that way, you know, they go with the with the good pope. Sure. You know. What I mean? Well, what what I'd love to know is is there ever a place where where you and Pope Francis are in the ring and you're waiting, and then he comes out and and, and tag teams, and you can come off the top buckle with the elbow drop. This yeah. is what I'm talking about. This is tag team church. Because what happens... The Legion of Pope. Yep. <laughs> that, the, a lot of people have been saying, that's what this dude is missing, is a is a sidekick. Yep. <laughs> they can come in there with the hardcore uh, uh, Chicago style. Like a house yeah. of fire. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Chicago they put one of yours style. in the hospital, you put one of theirs in the morgue. This is what yeah. I'm saying. You know, yeah. the, this idea of, you know, you, you don't mess with us kind of a thing. Now, so the Pope... Uh, flies on Shepherd One, right? As Bishop of Corrections, what's the name? What's the call sign of your aircraft? Well, uh, I think. Well, I would have been awesome, Pope Awesome, right? For you know, because they yeah, like Pope Innocent, right? Pope, sure, you get to uh, choose your Pope name. Yeah, so I would have been Pope Awesome, right? Uh, so I think I would be on Awesome One. Okay, Awesome One, nice, nice, solid. All you right. know, not about. Uh, can I call it awesome air? Can I just double A? Imp- yeah, imp- imply that I have my own airline. Well, I think American you know? Airlines might sue, but we can give it a shot. Uh, but uh, I think that's what people want to see happen with it. Yeah, you know, is is uh, yeah. Is, doing- can we can we award immediate super fan status to anyone who photoshops? Like a good cop, bad cop <laughs> of you and Pope Francis. Yes, in, in, yes, in we the, definitely can. In a, in a cop, gritty cop drama. Yeah, yeah. Because this is the thing is, uh, uh, a lot of people say, I don't like your method. Right. <laughs> but you get results. Yes. And you're a loose cannon. Yes. Things like that. Well, I don't know that's a lot of people that, that may be more scripts for mid-80s you know, cop drama movies. But. Exactly right. But that's you know that you know that would be the kind of thing that people would be saying. And what see, I could be 
in somebody's face. Right, maybe chewing on a matchstick. Right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> then Francis comes in, and he like he tells me step off. Yeah. And then I then I you know I I I you know I kind of you know remove myself from right. the situation. Like you kick over a table and then storm right. out. Yes. Yeah. I, exactly right. And then he comes in there and says, you know, I got to apologize for my... It's all uh, about grace and love, bro. Yeah, it's, all, it's all about grace and love. See, then people are like, you know, I, hey, yeah. I like this guy. I'm yeah. going gonna to deal with this guy because I don't want to deal with the bad pope. See? I'm sold. Good pope, bad pope. Good pope, bad pope. I'm sold. I think um, as in all things, all the ideas we come up with, this is going to live or die on the branding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've got right. some ideas here. We all got right. Glenn. Okay. We got, you know, we've... The flail of God, right. the Bishop of Corrections. Right. I like the uh, the awesome air. I like the. I think alliterati- alliteration is good. It's punchy. Right. It sticks. So I got a few a few ideas for just kind of not even necessarily nicknamed officials, but you know, especially if you go to me, there's a lot of you know aliases. Sure. You know, there's you know the Lion Heart and right. you know, all that. Yeah. So you got uh, liturgical loose cannon. Okay, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Right. The biblical battering ram. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. And here's the one I feel like it's going to take some finagling because technically it's part of his title, but I think we, the Pontifex of Pain. <laughs> yeah. That's the yes. winner right there. We have a winner. Yeah. And also a really good Twitter handle if someone wants to start doing That's tweets nice. as Glenn as Pastor of Corrections. Yeah. Just, it just, you know, smoking a cigarette and then flicking it into the air. You know, just, yeah. That kind of, you know. You, yeah, you like you put it out on the incense. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then that's good. Well, also well, like Glenn, Glenn taking it over the top and Francis, you got to get him out of here. And the Swiss guard holding Glenn back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I with mean, the halberds. Yeah, we, we replaced the Swiss guard completely with guys from Chicago. Just Still, the Swiss guard outfits though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just big, big, beefy guys from Chicago. I'm not yeah. sure they make. Uh, I'm not sure they can smelt breastplates <laughs> in triple yeah. XL. Yeah, yeah. hardy yeah. enough. Yeah. Well, Mr. Younger, are you satisfied? I, I am. I think with, with all this information, we can declare a very papal emergency off. Absolutely. Well, uh, Glenn said something in the there I, wanna, I want to uh, go back to, which is there's a lot of wood in this church. Be a shame if something happened to it. Yeah. That's a joke off a real life story. Yes. I'd like to tell you all from the bridge. So we have the bridge here in Chicago. We have it every Tuesday. Glenn and Jane coined the term. Every Tuesday until Jesus comes back, we will have the bridge. That includes here in Chicago some ungodly weather. Yep. In terms of eight inches of snow on the ground, in terms of as of last year, negative twenty five degrees yep. with the wind chill. So we had to find a way. We meet in a, a uh, church in Chicago is very generous to let us use our building, um, use the basement. We uh, there is heat in the building, but it's a really old system, and there's really no heating system on Earth that works in the lobby. <laughs> where the door is constantly opening to negative 20 degree temperatures. So we went and found what's called a forced air heater, (laughs) which is used on outdoor construction sites because it is a metal tube with a propane powered flame in it that hence the name it forces air over yeah where real nice it shoots right. flame it that's shoots what it does fire at it as glenn once described it we had a problem and we shot fire at it yes so but <laughs> we have we have a pastor from who comes we every week at the bridge we have three pastors come in and preach to the guys so we had one of them who i'm in the the foyer there with setting up the thing getting it turned on and a pastor comes in and say pastor how are you? it's lovely to see you and as he's shaking my hand, he looks down, and these are his exact words, which are etched into my brain forever. Pastor know about that? Looking at the uh, air heater. Oh, yeah, it's, he's fine with it. 
lot of wood in this church. <laughs> and they just walked on his merry way. <laughs> but we were able to find that forest air heater and not have to uh, either freeze to death or wait for this uh, poor inner city church we have come up with 10 grand to overhaul their heating system. We were able to find a cheap, innovative, poorly planned in some ways solution and that's what we do with your bridge box money Ooh. we take big problems we don't we don't have a heater we don't have enough staff and we find in our opinion the smartest possible ways around them which somehow still involve impending doom yes right. so we got a forced air heater we've got a uh, part-time uh, employees, guys who are in the neighborhood who've come up through our system. We've got uh, help from some church folk. We've been able to do a lot with a little, only $8 a month. That help makes a huge difference in helping us do things like that to make our service better. If you'd like to support us and get some cool stuff for yourself and your own walk, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. This came into our Tumblr inbox. It's from our friend Colton there on Tumblr, and it says, I have some questions about missionary funding and raising support. I'm a Bridgebox subscriber. Woo! First of all, woo. And second of all, that's how you get your question moved to the top of the pile, folks. I have no problem giving monetarily to support others for their mission work, but for some reason I feel weird and not right about asking others for support in the same way. I know it's needed, especially with long-term overseas missions and inner-city missions like you guys have that don't have the means to uh, support it. I guess I'm having a hard time figuring out how to explain to others the concept of support and asking them for it, especially justifying it in terms of what I'm doing, like short-term mission trips. I was wondering what the Bible says about this, and I would love to hear you guys' thoughts and matter based on your own work. Thanks. And Glenn, why don't you start us off here? Absolutely, Ryan. Uh, the first thing to to make note of is that, that in a very real sense, they're not supporting you personally. They're supporting the work that you're doing. Uh, they may only care about that work getting done because you are the one doing it. So in that sense, they care about you know you and the element of, of you accomplishing it. Uh, but you're not asking them to give you money just for being cool and going on a trip and whatever right. else. Uh, you're asking for them to uh, support the work of missions <clears throat> and, and go after that. Uh, you asked about what the Bible says about it. There's, there's two big key uh, New Testament chapters in the Bible that talk about it. Uh, it's easy to remember because those two chapters are 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So it's kind of just easy to kind of stick those in your head. They both talk about this uh, through the entire chapter. I want, I want to really, really, really strongly encourage you to read all of both of those chapters. But if I could quote uh, a bit from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I'm skipping around quite a little bit here, but uh, I'm getting to some key verses here. Uh, this is Paul talking about the money that is being given to him to do exactly what you're talking mm -hmm. about, to go and, and, and uh, start churches, to start missions work in other parts of the world. He says, who serves as a soldier at his own expense, excuse me, who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes, who tends a flock and does not drink the milk. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we ask to reap a spiritual harvest from you? 
In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. That's as clear as it could possibly be. Uh, it, uh, my guess is, had you read that verse, you wouldn't be having this question. Uh, and uh, I'm sorry that whoever got you into the missions thing didn't direct you to that chapter as your very first thing to look at. Um, Paul is talking about uh, in both of these chapters the fact that uh, that he and his fellow missionaries have the right to that support that it's appropriate uh, that one church should provide the financial resource, resources that allows the next church to hear and receive the gospel mm-hmm. uh, and that that should be passed on uh, so your church has a responsibility, and the people that are you're going to be uh, raising support from have the responsibility uh, to be doing that. This is part of what uh, being a Christian is all about. Uh, when Paul says the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel, comparing it to a soldier, you know, so, a soldier doesn't, uh, 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 you know, uh, you know, serve at his own expense. He he's receives a, a wage and an income, uh, what have you. It's this idea that that uh, we who work for the Lord and and do the Lord's work should have the resources that allow us to do that work. Uh, the key thing is, I think, and and I'll send it around to these other brothers, is to recognize that um, uh, it, that your job is to focus on what does the the these what do these dollars do what do they provide what why am i giving to this uh specifically in the sense that um what does this resource unlock what mm-hmm. does it allow to happen uh so for us as as matt was just talking about if we have a room that's too cold to be in and no one's going to come and keep worshiping here if we can't heat this space it's an emergency. It's a crisis. We have to figure something out. So when we say your resources go towards that kind of thing, it's a specific uh, deal. We're not saying uh, just give because I'm awesome. It's awesome work that's being done. Just you know what mm-hmm. have you. We're we're really pointing to a specific need. It's fantastic. And since Glenn covered kind of the biblical basics there, Jed, can you maybe pick up and talking about? Because uh, all three of us are Chicago and Lee, to a certain extent, do fundraising for our job. And some of the one of the obstacles of that is when you haven't done it yet mm-hmm. is just the imagined responses you're going to get. Can you talk, talk a little bit about that? I, I sure can. And uh, Colton, we really appreciate your writing and we appreciate your support. But dude, we also want to salute your courage that you would consider doing some things that would require you to do fundraising. That, yeah. yeah, that's for about 95% of people who think something might be neat. Go ahead and tap out. That's yep. 100% true. We have seen just a parade of really good people with good hearts that want to do things for the Lord. And the exact moment they got to ask other people for money is the exact moment they say, I'm out. I'll do anything but that. But as as Matt rightly points out, that's all based on the way they imagine it would go. Um, it's very rarely based on the way it does go. Here, here's, I can, I can tell you about my experience cause I've had to raise a salary in order to do this work, but this is borne out by a lot of other people's experiences as well. Um, the, the first is the bad news that in fact, some people will act like huge jerks about this. Right. Um, most of those oddly enough will be wealthy people. Mm-hmm. Um, they will be people that would never miss the money and they will find a way to be a jerk about it. That, mm-hmm. that will happen. Unfortunately, that's true. And you should prepare yourself for that. Mm-hmm. But far more people than you'd think or expect will actually think it's great. 
They'll think um, it, you're great to want to do it. Um, they'll be glad that you asked. They'll want to do something to support it. It may not be a lot, and they will tell you that, but they mm -hmm. will do you know what they can, and it will be both. It will you know help to provide the resources you need, but it'll actually be a um, you know uh, an encouraging thing to you. The one thing I would add to that, and I think this is the thing where people get in trouble, and, and I think this is why the biblical background that Glenn is talking about, is people do respond to the way that you present things. In mm -hmm. other words, if you go to them and say, well, I'm thinking about doing a short-term mission, but it's probably stupid and useless, and you probably wouldn't want to support it, you're going to find a lot of people go, oh, okay, well... Um, well you talked me into it. Good, good luck with that. But if you come with the confidence, if you say, look, this is a good thing. I think the Lord wants me to do it. The Lord is clear in the word that those that will do the work deserve to be compensated. Um, you know, uh, uh, I'm not going to do the false humility thing. I'm not going to be shrinking value. You say, this is great stuff. I want to tell you why it's great stuff. I want to share with you what's amazing about it. Mm -hmm. I'd love to invite you to be a partner with me in it and mm -hmm. bringing this amazing thing to life. Man, uh, it's, it's actually pretty rare that people don't think that's cool. Um, right. Even people where they say, look, I'm just not in a place to be able to help, they'll still say, I think it's amazing what you're doing. Again, you'll you'll encounter some jerks along the way, not nearly as many as you'd suspect. And it's the kind of thing where it's kind of like asking someone out and getting shot down. You feel like that's the worst thing you could possibly imagine and be the end of the world. And then it happens, you go, that oh, wasn't great, but I'm still here. You're going to have at least one support appointment where someone's a jerk to you and says, well, I'm <laughs> You know, and no, and I never, and blah, blah, blah. And here's what's going to happen is you're going to call up. Uh, I hope you have buddies you can call up about that. If you don't, call up us, yeah. and we'll commiserate with you, and yeah. we'll talk about what a jerk that guy is, and then you'll get up the next day, and you'll feel fine, and you'll go on to the next thing. Right. Um, it's it's actually, it sucks in the moment. It's not as big of a deal as you think, and it's certainly not something to let hold you back from doing the things that the Lord's calling you to do. Hey, that's absolutely right. That's really a great point. I want to, Lee, can we get you to pick up on something that Jeb was talking about there, which is this offer to to partner in something, to bring something to light, because that's it really is true. We uh, I know Leo say folks down there at the church, and we certainly say at our supporters, including Bridgebox subscribers all the time, um, the person who supports the work financially and prayerfully is just as critical to it getting done as the yes. person who does it because if nobody supported it financially, take for example, us in Chicago, if we didn't have uh, private financial donors, which all three of us do, if we didn't have Bridgebox subscribers, um, we would get a lot less work done because we would all have to get 40 hour weekday jobs. Yeah. Like that less stuff would get done. So this isn't necessarily the mindset of hitting someone up for money to support your hobby or whatever. You're asking someone to right. partner with you. Can you talk about, about that Lee? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, every single voice you hear on this podcast, we are completely supported by the sacrificial gifts of, of other people. I mean, our our ministry work is because people give money so that we can pull this off. I mean, yeah. this is this is why we're here doing this. And and the thing is is when you, you know, uh, let let me take the perspective of the other side of that, which is uh, which that that is true of all of us. And let me take the other the, the perspective of the other side, which you already have a good handle on as you're a Bridgebox subscriber. And I imagine that you feel this way about Bridgebox and about us. But I can tell you uh, that the way Christy and I feel about the people that we financially support who are in ministry is they are our heroes, and it is a gift to get to support them. 
it is uh, it it is awesome that they ask us to be a partner with them. We think they rock. We think their ministries are amazing. We can't wait to get behind them. It's the it's the best money we spend every month because not only is it awesome to see these people go, but the Lord says this is money we are investing straight into heaven. I mean, this is there's nothing bad about it. Like if you if you are giving your money to the Lord's work, and especially if it's somebody you love and it's a ministry you believe in, you are really offering someone a gift. Uh, if you ask them to partner with you, you're giving them the opportunity to do something really, really, really cool. And as Matt said, it's a necessary part uh, of what's going on. And by the way, if you're asking people to support you. They super need to do it. I mean, it's a it's a big important part of their own spiritual maturity yeah. to, uh, to as far as them growing in the Lord. And by the way, they're they're probably not giving it anywhere. I mean, you, most people are giving very very little away. Most people's churches are giving of the tiniest possible amount yep. of that very little bit away. And so the work of God for foreign and domestic missionaries is happening off of the dregs of the dregs. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. which is number 1 that is an absolutely garbage that that is a garbage circumstance that it's happening that way. But it's statistically true. It's all borne out in the numbers. And if you give somebody an opportunity, you're giving them a chance to partner. You're giving them a chance to be a part of, of ministry, to, 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 to do something that will count for them in front of the Lord. And you're giving them something that will contribute to their own spiritual maturity and every good thing. I mean, yeah. you are offering someone a present, you know, when, when you're offering uh, them a chance to support your ministry. Amen. Go ahead, one more thing. Yeah, just quickly to tack on the end of that, uh, and really support what what uh, Lee is saying. These people, uh, it, it's not a case of they don't have the money, they don't have the resources, those kinds right. of things. Uh, we get asked for for money yep. uh, all the time. Uh, pe- people should know better. <laughs> they should have someone else to ask uh, than us, but. Uh, uh, we get asked for money from exactly this. I get asked for short-term missions support all the time because, you know, we talk to colleges. We know sure. uh, college students who are doing this kind of stuff. We don't say no in, yep. in our house. We don't we, say we no. We often say, here's an embarrassingly small amount of money. Right. But, but we don't. <laughs> yeah, if you exactly need a right. pack of gum at the airport, here yeah, you go. cover you. Yeah, but we don't, we don't ever say no. There's no reason. We, there's always a – it's. It, everyone's finances is like a toothpaste tube. Can, There's more in you there. You can squeeze a little harder and get a little more out. So uh, so that's uh, that's thing number one. Uh, one other little tip is if you can come with a budget where things are really broken down, uh, this is how much this is going to cost, uh, this is how much that's going to cost, where you have a sort of line items. Part of what that can do for people is is to get them – to where they feel inspired on their part mm-hmm. to do something specific. So yeah, they'll say, cool. okay, here's here your flight is the $250. I'm going to cover that. Yep. You know, you go to other people for the rest of it, but I, I, I got you on the plane, so now you're there. Or it may give them a way to say, look, I can't cover the 250 but I'm going to talk to all the guys in the guys group, and I bet right. we can all pull our resources and we can cover that 250 yeah. together. Yep. And now yeah. they really feel like they're part of the team. Yeah, that's our, that's our goal. We're going to cover the flight, and you know, you can go and get the rest from everybody else, and we're going we're gonna to nail that down. Uh, that you know, That's what you want to try and give people an yeah. opportunity to yep. do that. So you can present and lay out a lot of those kinds of things that facilitate that kind of 
inspiration where you can say, you know, here's this, how much this costs, whatever, and tell them, you know, put the ball in the court, mm-hmm. their court, and say, I want you to pray about it. I want you, you know, I want you to feel exactly as Lee is saying. I want you to feel excited about it. I want you to feel like it's something fun uh, and 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 that that you're excited to give towards. Uh, you know, here here's kind of a list and a breakdown of what it is. If you can't do any giving, I'd, I'd love to get your prayers on it, and that yep. would be great. I think that's absolutely right. I'll pick up on that. Say a couple of just pro tips. As we mentioned, we've all done fundraising. Um, we all, on some level, fundraise our full-time salaries. So um, the offering the option to um, I can't give, but I'd love to support you in prayer. Yep. Always have that if you have like a prayer, if you have like a support card or whatever, or you're doing an email list, always mention that mm-hmm. um, because really it is not all about the money. You do believe the Lord's going to provide the money. So you're looking for people to be on your team in whatever mm-hmm. way they want to be on there. So that's a good thing. Um, the other thing, and this is something uh, Jed and Glenn said to me when I started uh, fundraising for this job that I did not believe them at the time, but did not want to. And now super do. And that is, this is sales. Yep. Right. Now I don't mean that in a negative connotation. I think sales kind of has a negative connotation. To a lot of people, not that we're trying to bilk people or we're trying to get the max we can or any of that. But as we've all kind of pointed out to you, if you don't believe in this, no one else is going to. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also not a thing. I think some people, when they first start off fundraising, unfortunately, some people, as they continue fundraising or kind of run church, or whatever, have a vision of the way it should work, yep. which is I should be able to go to people who know me and say, I am doing a good thing in the mm. Lord's name. Right. So how big a check do you want to make out? Right. Doesn't work that way. That it doesn't work that way, and it's not really fair to expect people to give their money on just th- as Glenn pointed out, kind of thinking you're neat right. and taking your word for it. Is say, here's what we're doing. Here's why it's important. Here's why I think I'm being called to be part of it. What do you think about helping me out? That's important, and that is sales. That is, you know, mm-hmm. saying, here's what this is. Here's why I think it's a good thing. Here's why I think it's a good thing for you to be involved. There's no problem with that. There's nothing um, unspiritual about putting that kind of strategy onto this. And then on the other side of it, once you've raised the money, once you, once you've gone, once you, whatever, um, you, you called, if you're a bridge box subscriber, folks out there who are, you'll notice that there's a giving letter in every bridge box. If you give to, if some people who listen to the show, give a little bit, support us personally, and uh, you get a letter every month from mission USA, it's important to communicate with the people who mm-hmm. gave you the money and again, mm-hmm. we, we do make fun of the, the person who goes on the mission trip and comes back with the, the Facebook photo of them and the African kid. It's not what we're talking about here because that's about, look at me, I did a cool thing. Right. This is talking right. about, hey, guys, we did it. Yeah, right. It was an amazing experience, and I'm, I wish you could have come, but you supported me. We made it happen. Jed, one more thing? One more real quick thing because this is kind of the thing where a lot of people get caught up is the idea of, of the ask. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Now I would like, will you give me money? Right. Something that's um, we use a lot, and it's a good thing to do, and I encourage you if you're you know at all uncomfortable with that, is to say the thing I'm asking you to do is to pray. Yes. About being a part of my support that's right. team. Yeah. That's exactly do what, how I'd say it. Do whatever the Lord leads you to do, and what mm-hmm. I want to know is, will you pray about it, and can right. I follow up with you in two weeks, and you can tell me uh, uh, what you feel led to do after praying about it. Right. Um, nobody ever has a problem with that, nor right. should they. If you have right. somebody who says, I'm not going to pray about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, but, um, uh, you do need to do a direct ask. In other words, there, there is, therefore, this is the thing I want you to do. Well, that's a great mm-hmm. thing. And another kind of, it is a sales tactic because for this, you can't just, I'm going on a mission trip. 
Huh? Yeah. How much uh, money? That, that's, that's not going to work real well. There has to be an ask. There's the right. thing I'm asking you to do. But again, I think, you know, the thing that you can do and we use a lot is I'm asking you to pray about being a part of that team. And that, and that gives them the chance to be that hero because it's exactly. really their decision. If you exactly say, right. I want you to give me $500 and, and you say, okay, I'll give you $500, you sort of did only what was expected exactly right but if i say i want you to pray about it and you say i want to give you five hundred dollars oh my gosh five hundred dollars you rock you're you, yeah. you, you, you know you give them a chance to to you know really no doubt do it be the you hero. say you know i want you to pray about being a part of my support team and right. that includes a financial element right. i want to follow up with you on that in two weeks i think yeah. you find that holds you in good stead do that that's absolutely right one quick thing and believe me we could talk for hours about this and we have um a quick thing on that, as Jed's saying, that's a really good way to kind of take the pressure off, take the awkwardness off, which is is important. That's what we're talking about here. And that I want you to, we, that's what we think we all say is, I'm not telling you, you need to give to this thing. I'm telling you this is happening. And I want you to pray about what the Lord's putting on your heart, which right. is a good thing. That's the way to go about that. And people are going to feel positive about that. And you're talking about short-term missionship saying, so maybe you want, maybe you go into full-time ministry at some point, maybe you got another mission next year. If you make it a good experience for people, it's going to be an ongoing thing. You'll never feel like you're hustling anybody. And yeah. That's very yeah. positive. All right. We're going to our next question here. It comes in to our email address and it says, since graduating college, I've been trying to figure out what the heck I meant to be doing in this life. I've worked a couple of dead end jobs and it was pretty miserable while doing them. I believe I have a lot of gifts from God in music and in some other fields that I want you, I want to use my gifts to serve the Lord. Somehow I want to use these things to do good and to help people. And I don't want this to be something that has to be done on the side. I want to be able to pour all that I have into the work I do with my gifts. And this is where the heart of my question lies. I feel that there are some lines that need to be drawn and I don't know where to draw them. Is it wrong for me to want to be able to use the gifts God gave me to serve him and others while also wanting this work to make me money that I can live off? At what point does that become selfish ambition? Lee, you want to start us off? Uh, thanks for writing the question in. I definitely think that there is a way for you to do this. Uh, one thing that's interesting is that as I was thinking about this, realizing that every single person on this podcast, in some way, we are all involved in making music and audio production in some way to serve Jesus in one way or another. We're all doing that. Um, and, um, it, you know, the funny thing to me is that if you had, if somebody had come to me, you know, at, at any point in, in my schooling, middle school, high school, even college, and said, you know, you are going to be a worship leader, a songwriter, you're going to be sort of a, you know, a music producer and the host of a radio show. I would not have been able to envision that in any way. I would not have how been able to work? see how that would yeah, I wouldn't even I wouldn't see how that was possible. I I don't know that I would have wanted certain parts of it. Now, the the fact is it's all really really cool and it's all really fun and the the ministry that gets done is crazy. One thing that that Jed and I have talked about before is that somehow even though I have no schooling in music production and really no training outside of Jed what button do I push next? I I think I I am part of producing a a higher volume maybe to the maybe by a factor of 10 to any <laughs> artist that I listen to um a That's higher true. volume of music like the 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 amount of music that we that our you know our studios put out it's just crazy the 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 production amount and here's here's the only thing I can attribute it to is that 
at a certain point, um, a dude asked me, hey, do you want to bring your guitar to this church service and be part of the worship team? And I said, yes. And then um, a little bit later, the pastor of the church said, hey, this is what my sermon's about on Sunday. Do you think you could write a little uh, something for the end of the service? And I said, I'll I'll try that. I don't know if I can, but I'll I'll try to do that. And then uh, a couple years later, um, Jed actually said, hey, why don't you record a couple of your songs and mail me your hard drive and let me mix them together and make it into an EP? And I said, yes. And then, like, just the next step and the next step. And the reason that I tell that the little story is that when I was going through the process, I did not get super opinionated about the different little things that the Lord was putting in front of me, saying, I don't really know if I want that thing. I don't really know if I want to do that thing that the Lord might be asking me. I, I would pray about stuff, but my attitude was always, I'm I'm going to try to say yes to this because I don't know what the story is going to look like. I don't know where this ends. I don't know where the rabbit trail gets off. I, I don't know what happens at the end of this thing, but I'm going to say my, my attitude is going to be a, a positive and an open attitude. And I don't know what it's going to look like for you. There, there could be something really, really cool that we can't even imagine yet because the technology hasn't even been invented yet. And that's certainly the story from, from my case. There was no podcasting when we were in college. But now we're all part of that. But I would say, go to the Lord, and at every step that you can, say yes to something. Have an attitude where you are ready, you are open, and you're available, because the Lord uses people who are available and ready to be used. I think it's a fantastic point. And yeah. Jed, maybe if you walk us through, let's uh, separate this from the specific music stuff for a second. Sure. Which is funny, as I asked the person with the most training in music stuff to be the <laughs> one who does that. But hey, that's sometimes that's what happens when you don't think the order ahead. <laughs> um, but particularly, what is basically the the crux of this is I have some gifts from the Lord, and I don't have a, a clear way of making that my living, even mm-hmm. though I'd like to. So some of this is just uh, a guy who, and we and believe me, I'm not laying down because we've all been there. Yep. Is transitioning yeah. out of college and into what does the world of doing things for money yeah look like is you know because ideally what we all want is i just do what i want yeah. and then money yeah right. that's I, I, hey i'm still chasing that setup i haven't given up on it right right, right. so there's going to need a a netflix and cheetos reviewer right somebody's going to need that and yes then that's my time to shine exactly right. right but until then we all have to do some things we don't want to do for money so you look at just kind of that Looking at, you know, I have gifts, but also there's a marketplace idea. So how do we balance those? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think in a weird way, this begins with with an attitude thing. Um, I, the thing that I see, and particularly for people um, in the arts or with an artistic bend, um, the, the, the thing that gets them in the most trouble is an attitude of all or nothing. I need it to be mm-hmm. either the perfect thing I have in my head or just forget everything. It's all meaningless and worthless. Right. And the problem with that mentality is basically nothing in life works that way. Uh, you know, there, the ideal situation pretty much never, ever happens in anything ever. We're, we're always dealing with a non-ideal compromised situation. We've got to find a way to have some peace in that. Part of it, too, tends to be that uh, we have a model in our head that the thing that brings us joy and the thing that brings us money must be the same thing. Otherwise, in some way, it's it's illegitimate. It doesn't it doesn't matter. There's actually not a good reason to think that at all, at all. In a weird way, this actually relates back to the last question about fundraising. 
Um, I don't get paid to do ministry. Right. N- none of us do. I get paid to do fundraising. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, let me because well, if you fund- did ministry without the fundraising, no money. Exactly right. Fundraising is what pays the bills around here. Exactly right. Let me repeat that because if you hadn't heard that before, it might seem like a weird idea. I don't get paid to do ministry. Right. Uh, I went down to the county jail earlier today. Uh, led a chapel service with thirty guys in it. Talked about Jesus. Loved on them. Led them in prayer. Was with them. Ministered to them. Some of the harshest conditions you can imagine. Uh, there's no more money in my pocket at the end of that. Right. Zero more dollars. By contrast, I call my supporters, I write them, I tell them the latest thing that we're working on, how it's going, this, that thing, a check comes in. Right. One of those things pays the bills, the other thing does not. Now, of course, the thing is, the thing that I draw draw joy from is the ministry part. That's the thing I feel called to do, that's the thing I want to do, that's the thing I'm passionate about. The fundraising part is mostly a pain in the butt. Oh yes. Um it's <laughs> it's not fun. It involves not it's not all, but it involves some rejection. It's um it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. I mean it's just plain it's hard work. If we if we didn't cover that in the last question, let me double back. Fundraising's hard work. Like super duper yeah, hard yeah. work, like a lot. Um so be be prepared for that. But this is the thing that one has to make peace with. All jobs involve elements you'd rather not do. Mm-hmm. All right. of them. There, right. there are no exceptions. Right. Um, the the yeah. the biggest rock star you can think of, their day is filled with things they don't want to do. <laughs> I guarantee it. Yeah. Um, they're endorsing some product. They're they're doing some meet and greet. They're talking with you know Good Morning Oswego on the radio. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be doing any of that stuff. But that's the part of the job that actually brings in the money. That's that's the part that, that actually gets it done. Here's the thing that I would have you look at is where we get into a breakdown. You said you've had a couple of dead-end jobs. And I think you should ask yourself why you've done that. In other words, if the idea is I need it to be exactly what I have in my head or nothing, well, that, that makes sense. You're kind of uh, you know uh, doing a temporary thing. I think that's the wrong way to look at it. The crappy stuff that you don't enjoy should yield a reward in your life. Right. Okay. If I'm doing fundraising in a way that doesn't bring in money, now we have a breakdown. Right. Uh, because that's its only role is to bring in money. The, the role of the fundraising is not to give me joy. It's not to give me happiness. It's to bring in money. If it's not doing that effectively, we need to figure something else out. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you want to do stuff in the arts and you're, you're going to have a day job to support yourself, the goal of the day job is to support you. Right. If it's a crappy job that's not doing that, it's not actually, it doesn't provide benefits, it doesn't provide enough hours, it doesn't provide enough cash, then we need to find a different day job. Right. Uh, that's that's not working. Um, I think we get into trouble when we look for the one thing to be the thing we draw joy from, and it's perfect and lovely and pays good. Almost nothing does that. But we should be looking for the thing that pays to actually pay. Mm-hmm. The thing that provides stability to actually provide stability. Uh, when we're saying... Well, I'm just between things. I'm I'm on my way to being a rock star that doesn't need a day job. Therefore, I'll have a crappy day job and not worry about it. That's actually just a recipe for unhappiness. Um, right. That's that's like saying someday I won't need to do fundraising to do ministry. So I'll just do really crappy fundraising today that doesn't really bring in enough money to live on. That's that's not you getting your revenge on fundraising. That's just creating a situation where you're miserable. Yeah. Absolutely. Glenn, I'd like you to close out the subject. We're kind of talking about this idea again. One of the uh, the key tenets of a job, we talked about the fundraising, we're talking about this, is um, you do things you wouldn't do if you weren't getting paid. Exactly, yeah. I mean, uh, as Jed is alluding to here, uh, nobody really gets paid for playing music. They, yep. they get paid as a result of the promotion that they yep. do. 
if you look at musicians that do that for a living, they might spend 90% of their time promoting it and 10% making it. That's what the tour is. That's why you're yeah. on tour for two years and in the studio for two months. Yeah. Now, you know people and, and maybe even admire uh, musicians that you like or whatever who don't do that. They also don't earn a living yeah. from their music. That's how that works. Uh, now, uh, about 0% of people who want to do music for a living picture that. They say, yeah. I, what I'm going to do... I'm going to record this. I'm going to rock. Yeah. I'm going to rock so hard. <laughs> if it doesn't happen, rock harder. Dude, how right. hard do you think you're going to rock? Uh, you know, I, w- w- uh, hard. You know what? I don't think that's hard enough. I feel like we need to bring in a producer. Right. That gets you to rock even harder than that. If I if we get the really good console and the really good studio, will that maybe then we'll rock the hardest we possibly could. I think you're moving in the right direction. Right. This is this is exactly what all musicians think. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and the the idea is it will rock so hard that people will hear it. It will go in their ear holes yep. and into their brain and they will tell all their friends and then you will have a million dollars. Yep. This never 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 ever never happens. Yep. It only happens as a result of you shamelessly flogging yourself night and day to everyone you know. That's but that's not what you picture. You're saying I want to I want to uh, do ministry with music, and that part is not selfish. Not bad to want that to use that for the kingdom. We want you to use your gifts for the kingdom. But there's a couple of quick things here I want to want us to go through. Uh, first of all, is to recognize there's two kinds of jobs. One is well, you get paid to do something because nobody wants to do it. Yeah. Uh-huh. If, if if that's being an accountant, if it's being a, a, a you know a frying chickens, if it's uh, you know being a proctologist, nobody wants to stare butts all day. You yeah. know what I mean? That, 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 what would even well, be? Some people do. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. That's an opening I would <laughs> really like to. On. Yeah. <laughs> um. But uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, what's a good day? Moving if you're... <laughs> on, uh, when Matt has to parent the show. Uh, yeah. So Sorry. here, but Sorry, I will Matt. turn this podcast around. <laughs> <laughs> but this is what happens: is you know, it's a job that the the the, the reason why they pay you is because y- yeah. you wouldn't do it on your own for free. Yeah. If it's something that you love to do, nobody will pay you to do that. But what you have to do then is to build something around it. You have to build something from scratch. That's very, very difficult to do straight out the gate, right out of college, right into uh, earning an actual living. So you know, doing, doing things, uh, working the sucky day job and building the thing uh, while you're doing it makes a lot more sense and working that transition. Uh, the other thing is, you're talking about using your gifts to serve the Lord. It's not selfish, not a bad thing, but I would also challenge you that in order to get to a place where you're really serving the Lord, uh, it's not going to be so much about using your gifts as it is overcoming your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. It's overcoming the, the things that, that, that hold you back. The thing that make make us good at what we're doing is God has put us in a situation where you say, here's what I want you to do. And you say, oh, I don't want to do that. I'm not good at that. And this, I'm scared. And I'm good at, and Alyssa says, well, I want you to do it anyway. Then you rise up to that occasion. You rise to the challenge. You overcome your weaknesses with his strength. And you realize, okay, that that's how you do that is mm-hmm. through him, not through me. 
So you you're going away from your gifts in that sense. You know, God's using that stuff, but that's sort of in the background. That's just in your back pocket. You know, that, that's just one area you don't have to work on. So I don't think that it's a good idea to think about. I'm going to do ministry by capitalizing on my gifts, and 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 that's how ministry gets done. That uh, it, it, right away, God's going to call you to challenge your weaknesses. Uh, finally, I would say, if you want to do ministry with your music, or if you want to do ministry with sculpting, or if you want to do ministry with uh, basket Knitting. weaving, or whatever it is, yeah, it's really important to learn about the ministry part. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of people who say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write a song. Okay, now watch this. I'm going to put Jesus in the song. On the C chord, that's where Jesus comes in. Okay, and that's ministry. Yeah. <laughs> and there's birds and streams and mountains and waters. Jesus. And then, you see, that we just wrote a praise song. You're welcome, Internet. <laughs> You're welcome. And Caleb. <laughs> You've been praised in your <laughs> face. <laughs> okay, but that's not ministry, not by a long, long, long stretch. Uh, the guys on this podcast, uh, you need to you, you know, write back in and, and say, tell me how to do ministry, uh, and then learn how to use that with the music, because that's uh, you, you have to understand the ministry principles first. You can't just slap Absolutely. Jesus on that and have it be ministry. Real quick, because uh, Glenn said this, and I just want to repeat, this is so important, um, and we're joking, but we want to be clear. The idea that if you are good enough at a thing or talented enough at a thing that the rules won't apply to you, we need to cancel that thought yeah. immediately. Yeah. This is a, a Jed and I deal with a lot of musicians, a lot of artists, and some of the production stuff we do. And the phrase I've uh, began beating into the ground, repeating in a place can drive us all crazy, is if you think that being good at something automatically leads to money, I point to you the fact you to the fact that Van Gogh died penniless. Yes. Right. Well, and, and, you know, by contrast, give me a chance to brag on my little brother. My little brother uh, is an engineer. He works in a specific form of engineering. Um, back in the summer, he graduated. Like a train engineer? Just like a train engineer. Oh, yes, he has a striped we cap and everything. Guys. Yeah. And they're they're the whistle. future. Choo-choo. No, so he deals with robots. And graduated from the top, the top degree you can get from the top lab, from the top program, the top everything, the top student. I mean, in a, in a fairly verifiable sense, he's the best of the best of the best um, certainly in the U.S. in this very specific thing. When he finished that, he had to go apply for jobs. Right. Yeah. He, he had to go and say to people, I would like a job here. Right. And they said, well, we would like to interview you. And then he had to right. go That's to the interview. And then they said, all right, here is the first thing that we would like you to work on. Why don't you show us what you can do? And then <laughs> right. we'll build from there. Right. I say that, and again, he's in a fairly verifiable sense, the best of the best of the best of the best. It's you still got to go and have a job pretty much like everybody else where you work and you, you have the resume and then the interview and then they have here's a test project. See if you can actually do it before we give anything else. That same thing is true in everything else. The idea in the arts that if you're talented enough, the rules don't apply to you. I promise you it isn't true. And the reason that I'm really pressing that point is if you buy into the idea that if you're talented enough, the rules won't apply to you, that will only lead to disappointment and heartache. Because you're right. going to keep chasing things that not only won't work, but can't work. And we don't want to see that happen to you. That's absolutely right. And I will close out on this one um, by 
um, pulling this out of the idea of the arts or music. So to applies to people who don't uh, have that kind of thing, there are, as we started out, I think Glenn, he said this when we started, um, there's the idea that there's what you get paid for and there's what you're good at. And that those things, true happiness lies in those things interacting. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a very, uh, kind of Western, very American idea to get paid and your joy is when you get if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. That's a giant load of crap. Yeah. Your favorite actor or musician or whatever does not want to be up at 6 a.m. to go on Good Morning America to tell people to go see the movie. Yep. There was, right. we pointed out, the reason you get paid to do something is because that's the only incentive that would make you do it. Yep. So that can go a couple of ways. One, you can find an area somewhat close to that. We're not saying don't do work you enjoy. All of us on this podcast have found a way to make our talents and passions be real close to the work we do, if not an entire overlap. So, you know, you say, you know, I'm really, I really like the artsy stuff. I'm really into, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm going to be a graphic designer. I'm going to do, you know, I'm either going to work for a company, I'm going to do freelance graphic design work. If you ask any graphic designer, and I know quite a few, they'll tell you this is not about my artistic vision. Yes. Right. This is about fulfilling the work order from a person, often a person who has no idea what graphic design is. And keeps trying to fax me JPEGs or some, (laughs) you know, some level of nonsense. But, you know, I get to do something I do like and I am good at. And that's lovely. The other way to go with that, which is where a lot of people might say, maybe you like to write. That's just your whole deal. Now, you can, you know, you can live on credit cards while you shop your novel and hope that that comes to work. But that may not be the way to go. Or you can have a nice job and you say, hey, I I write my short stories for me or I write and submit to this thing. And I feel that's that's all great, too. Um, earning a living and having talents don't necessarily have to overlap. The other thing we can do, the way your faith gives you a great outlet for your talents that are not necessarily um, uh, monetary, as we've talked about, is ministry-wise. You can say, you know, I don't, I, you know, I help lead worship for the for the Young Life Club because I really like, you know, songs, and I meet with the kids and I teach them how to play guitar, and that's my thing. Or you know, I I run the knitting club at school, and you know, Sally and the knitting club's having a tough time, so I take her out for tea, and it's great ministry. And the really, if you want to say, hey, I want to do the thing I want to do, and have it work something, it's going to hang out. The way ministry offers you an almost limitless yeah pool yeah. to do that. Anything you can do while talking to someone or then go talk to them after can be ministry. Yep. Now, at that point, it's yep. learning how to do your principles for ministry. But I would say all that just to say the, the Shangri-La is not necessarily using your gifts in a way that makes you money. Mm-hmm. You want to have enough money to live on? That's nothing wrong with that. You want to use your gifts in a way that advances the kingdom and makes you happy? Nothing wrong with that. But those aren't necessarily, those don't necessarily coincide all the time. All right, we're going to move on to our last question here. Cameron announcement our Tumblr box and says, both my parents passed away by the time I finished college and I was pretty good at burying those emotions. After a recent move, though, some emotions are starting to resurface and I don't know how to deal with them. I know I need to bring these emotions to the Lord, but I find myself being angry at him when I get upset and want nothing to do with my faith. Mm-hmm. Do you have any words of wisdom? Jen, why don't you start us off? I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm so sorry for your pain. Uh, I think you should be angry, and I think you should tell God about it. Yeah. Um, and I and I don't think you should hold back either. Uh, I don't I don't think you should give him the uh, the polite version. I, I think you should tell God how you actually feel. Um, he can handle that, and perhaps more importantly, you can too. Um, I think there's, uh, speak for me when I get really upset about things, I think there's a fear that if I'm really honest and open about it, uh, there won't be anything but flaming wreckage left at the end of that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there, there won't be any faith to come back to, but 
Uh, it's not true. Um, God can handle it. You can handle it. Um, um, the the test element here is is whether or not we're going to be brave enough to get into it, and and uh, you deserve it. You you deserve to be able to speak your piece on this. I I can't even imagine the pain of having you know both your parents taken away from you, mm. um, so young in life. You deserve to be angry about it, and and I want you to hear me on that. Christians get weird when you use the word deserve. You deserve to be angry about it. Um, you deserve to to grieve your loss, and, and anger is probably going to be um, a, a big part of that. Uh, the, the goal here is to express the anger, to communicate it openly, uh, and really to get to a place where you can get some closure and some peace. That's that's what we're what we're trying to do here. God wants that peace for you. God wants that closure for you. And the Lord is fully aware that the path to peace lies through some pretty unpleasant honesty. Uh, there's there's not a workaround on that. There's there's not another path that'll get there. I think if you want to be as holy as you can possibly be, um, the right way to do that is to be nakedly honest, aggressively honest with the Lord, and then give God a space to speak back to you in response, um, to mm. listen to to what God might have to say about your situation. Um, this is one of those uh, things where you kind of, there's not a Christian book that's going to tell you what that's going to be, and there's not yeah. really a Bible passage that's going to tell you what that's going to be. You need to get that from the Lord. Um, you know, and, and it's okay, I want to be super clear, it's okay for that to take a long minute. Um, this is not something where you sit down and you're mad at God for 10 minutes and you say, okay, now unfold to me the mysteries of the universe. Right. Um, th- this is about saying, maybe it takes 10 years. I'm mad at you today, and I'm going to tell you about how angry I am at you today, and I'm going to mm. pour it all out. When I wake up tomorrow, I'm probably going to have more anger then, and mm. I'm going to tell you about that anger then. As I work through that, though, I'm going to slowly, and I'm not going to rush myself, as I'm going to slowly try and get to a place where I give you space to speak, where I give you, you know, silence to, to speak into. Uh, but the key thing is, I'm sorry for your loss. We're, we're sorry for your loss. But you can handle that journey of being angry and honest with the Lord. Mm-hmm. You can handle it. He can handle it. That's the way forward. It's the way forward to a healthier walk. It's the way forward to the peace that you deserve to have and that he wants for you. Fantastic point. Lee, maybe you could pick that up on us about not not worrying about how you're supposed to feel and just going with how you do feel. Yeah, I think uh, one of the key things that I, I really loved about what Jed said here is just kind of picking up on this idea that it may take a while. Um, and uh, there, there's a there, there's a phrase that that they use in Alcoholics Anonymous, which is that you don't you don't want to should on yourself. Yeah. Um, which is you don't want to you want to you don't want to say well. Um, you know, this terrible thing happened to me X number of years ago. So by now I should be fully past this. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no calendar. There is no, there is no metric. There is no, uh, thing where we can, you know, where we can say at this point, then you should be this percentage over it. Um, that, that's not the way grief works. That's not the way our emotions work. That's not the way, that's not the way that the love that you have for the people that you lost works. I mean, it's just, it's grief is a, it it is an overwhelming thing. It is, it is hard to explain. It's hard to understand until you're in it. Um, you, no one outside of it, if, if somebody says, I understand exactly what you're going through, they don't. Yep. They they don't feel it exactly the way that you do. It doesn't matter. Even if the same exact thing happened to them, it still doesn't mean that they know exactly how you feel. So there's no. It's 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 a very good thing for you to realize. I don't have to put myself on a on a ticking clock. Uh, it would be a very bad thing for me to say. At this point, I should be. Uh, this much past it so that I can, you know, I can look at pictures without breaking, without breaking down. 
Um, no, there, there is no calendar for that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, Glenn's talked about before the, the thing that counselors say, uh, grief work, you know, that, that you, that this is going to take time. It's going to take work. You're moving through, uh, through a process, through, um, you're, you're, you know, grieving a relationship that's gone. And so don't should on yourself. Don't, don't say by now I should be here. Just let it be whatever it is and accept yourself in the middle of all of the feelings that you've got as you're moving through it. That's a lot of great stuff. And I think uh, Glenn will echo a little bit of what we're taking here, but it's, it's worth saying again, uh, if you're angry, be angry. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more with what these fellows are saying. Let's, you know, maybe let's take a moment and ask ourselves why you're angry at God. Mm. That might be worth that, you know, looking at. Because here's the thing. Are you angry at God because you're absolutely sure that God um, it, it doesn't care about your feelings in this and took your parents? And that doesn't, that's not it. You know, that doesn't sound right. This, uh, I think you're angry at God, and most of us are angry at God for the same reason. Uh, we're, we get angry with God because we don't know who else or what else to be angry at. Mm-hmm. It's just a catch-all, you know, because you can always say, well, God, you could have stopped sure. this. And that's always basically yeah. sort of true or it looks true, it seems true. And uh, so God becomes sort of a catch-all in that sense. Here's the thing is he understands that. Yeah. And doesn't, isn't angry back at you for that. He, he, he understands that, 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 that sort of the buck stops with him, that, that you, you can't uh, 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 exclude uh, him from that thing and and it's 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 an awful thing that we love god and and we care uh, and we we invest so much in that relationship and then we we wake up one day and we can't figure out who else to blame so we blame god it, that it's a, it's a, it's a it's a lousy thing on one level but god totally understands that mm-hmm. totally accepts that totally accepts you uh and isn't angry about that i, I think he has to be understanding about that he, he would be a real jerk not to to be honest with you um so he he understands those feelings, and if you know that it's just a catch-all, maybe take it out of that realm to say, okay, Lord, I'm angry, but I don't know what 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 to be angry at, who to be angry at. I feel like I'm angry with you, and I don't want that to come between us. But I just right now I don't know who else. I think you know you, you can lay that out in such a way that it, it's it's clear. That your goal is to, you know, is to not have a damaged relationship with God. Mm. Here's another thing that we talk about on the podcast: Do not judge your emotions. Mm. Paul said, yeah. "I don't judge anyone. I don't even judge myself. I want you to do the same thing. Whatever your emotions are, don't judge them. They aren't good. They're not bad. They're just emotions. That's it. Don't waste energy put taking every little emotion and putting it under the microscope and say, do I deserve that? Or do I not? As, as mm-hmm. Joe was saying, uh, better to just simply say, I'm angry. I've come by that honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and God understands that I need to vent. I need to rant. I need to cry. I need to spaz out. I need to throw things. I need to kick the furniture. I need to whatever. 
any kind of God with any kind of understanding would would get why that is and not hold uh, that against me. Uh, so I think conceiving of this stuff in that way will really help you get past mm-hmm. the the uh, the stuff that particularly Jed and Lee are talking about the fear of this is going to damage that relationship with God. It's not. It, this is how things move forward. Mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. Now, I'll close this out by looking at a time in the Bible where somebody said something to God out of anger much meaner than you're ever going to say and didn't get squashed for it. So we, we, this is actually a very interesting chapter. It's from Jonah chapter 4. So a lot of us only know Jonah from the Sunday school thing. You know, he swallowed by the big fish. That's a big part of it. But there's so there's this end. This is the very end of the book of Jonah. Um, This is starting in chapter four, verse eight, I guess. And Jonah said, it would be better for me to die than live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Mm -hmm. And just so we're clear, the thing that Jonah said, it'd be better for me to die is there was a tree in his yard that gave him shade and then it died. Yeah, right. So, well, and also he was really disappointed that God didn't kill her by the yes. way he was counting on it. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about this plant? And this genius, who is in the Bible, yep. just gets mentioned in Hebrews in the Hall of Faith. It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Lord explained what he was doing with the city of Nineveh. That's right. how the book of Jonah ends. You, if, if Jonah could go to God and say, you have done something so horrible made the tree go away. Right. And I'm so angry. I wish I were dead. Right. And that is, that doesn't end the conversation. Sure. It doesn't right. throw us off. It's not the end of anything. Whatever you have perfectly, ju- we said perfectly justified emotions, perfectly understandable anger. That's cool. God can right. handle that. Yep. As we said before, you know, imagine you have a child who is angry at you. You would much rather them come up to you and say, I hate you because X, Y, Z, than right. just be gone and right. silent. So yeah. don't be afraid of your emotions. Cause God isn't. All right. So, Hope that helped. We, if you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We're going to take you out with a, a very special outro song this week. We've had some Ooh. requests for the reprise of Popey Like a Hurricane. <laughs> and we don't want to disappoint the fans. So thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about this it. This week on Good Pope, Bad Pope, say hello to my little forced air propane heater. <laughs> 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 <laughs>